You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Art Detective listeners. Dr. Yanina Ramirez here. I'm an Oxford lecturer, a broadcaster and a writer, and for the purposes of this podcast, I'm your chief investigator of images. So I've got some exciting news. I have a new series starting on Monday, the 1st of May, going out on BBC4 and later on BBC Worldwide. It is called An Art Lover's Guide. And I'm joined on these journeys over three weeks with the wonderful Alistair Souk, art critic and writer. And we go on three fabulous adventures to places that you think you know. The three cities that we visit in this series are Amsterdam, Barcelona and St. Petersburg. They're all hot tourist destinations. People think they know them inside out. But what we do with the Art Lover's Guide is we go right under the skin of that city. We look at the hidden artworks, the hidden architecture, the hidden dramas of these cities to try and tell a different sort of story. And each programme really emerges with its own identity. So the programme on Amsterdam really grapples with this tension at the heart of the city between real radical liberalism, but also strict conservatism going back centuries. And in Barcelona, we look at this struggle for Catalonian independence that's a really hot topic at the moment. And in St. Petersburg, it's about the fact that revolution has actually produced some of the finest work. And there is this extreme distinction between the very rich and the very poor. And how that plays out is is recorded in the art and the architecture of that city. So a really exciting series, a series I'm really proud of. I can't wait for you to see it. Nine o'clock, BBC Four, Monday the 1st of May, it will go out. But... What I thought was, I love my art detective listeners and I want to give you something extra. So to accompany each of the programmes going out, I am giving you an extra freebie art detective podcast. So alongside your Wednesday podcast, there will be a lovely Monday morning treat. And I thought I would focus in on an artwork that really comes to epitomise the city that we, we look at in each episode. So the first episode is Amsterdam. And where else would I start than with that most famous of Amsterdam artists, Rembrandt? And of course, his most famous painting, The Night Watch. It's a huge hit. It's um, painted in 1642. Its scale is really what's quite extraordinary. It's uh, 3 metres 63 centimetres by 4 metres 37 centimetres. That means that each of the figures depicted is life-size. And 
They've done something very clever in Amsterdam. It's such an icon of the city. Rembrandt is such an important son of Amsterdam that they've actually recreated the Night Watch in bronze sculptures in one of the squares in the city. So I strongly recommend you go and encounter it. It's a really extraordinary thing. You can walk between the figures. You can examine in bronze sculpture how exquisitely Rembrandt executed each of their outfits, the weapons, the dynamism between the figures. You really get a sense of how they're running into the scene. And seeing them in 3D also shows you what a master Rembrandt really was in this painting in terms of capturing depth, perspective, this idea that people are in motion. This is an extraordinary painting. It's treated extraordinarily. If you go to the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam, it really is the altarpiece of uh, of the whole place. And, and it's often crowded with tourists. But as a plus side of making a BBC4 documentary on Amsterdam, we got to be locked inside the Rijksmuseum after dark. It was an extraordinary experience and nobody there just us and the artworks. And the particular hall that the Night Watch is displayed in has got all the great Dutch masterworks displayed on the art. So you've got your Vermeers, um, you've got all of Rembrandt's earlier works actually as well. Um, and some of his more uh, recent acquisitions, there's a wonderful pair of figures that have just been acquired by the Rijksmuseum in partnership with the Louvre that stand alongside it. But the altarpiece, the the culmination of this long processive space that you walk through to get to it is the night watch. And I find that really powerful. The fact that it's in a space that is almost religious is in a way showing how Protestant Amsterdam had become by the 17th century. When it was painted in 1642, the, the Netherlands, Northern Europe had undergone the Protestant Reformation and their art had also gone through a major overhaul. So instead of saints and the Virgin Mary and Christ crucified, you still wanted magnificent large-scale works of art. But instead, what Rembrandt does is he really does play to the tastes of uh, Holland's elite, really. So Amsterdam, by its very nature, is a middle-class bourgeoisie trading city. It has incredible power through the Dutch trading company. that They go across the world along the silk routes, make these incredible connections with exotic places and bring back products, ideas into Amsterdam. It's a complete hub for these sorts of cultural exchanges. The people who were really powerful within the city were the traders, but at the same time, there were militia groups, militia groups that defended the city. And what we've got in the Night Watch is one of these powerful and important militia groups. So it's actually, when it was first painted, it was known as the Militia Company of District 2, under the command of Captain Franz Bannock Cock. And that was what it was there to commemorate. So I suppose you could think about in the absence of photography, when we used to have uh, school photos done or, or company photos done to show you know, everyone together, working together, there is no photography. So people like Rembrandt were commissioned to make these large scale portraits that depicted important members of the community. This was paid for by the people depicted. So out of the, um, the 34 figures that are in the scene, the main 13 characters, including the captain, um, Captain Cock, and his lieutenant, they paid 100 guilders each. But in total, Rembrandt actually received 
1,600 guilders for the painting of this. That is a huge sum at the time. And it really uh, shows how important this painting was. It was intended to commemorate an important event, which is actually a piece of public display, if you like. It's the, the members of this militia group, District 2's militia group, coming together and parading. So in the image, you can see someone banging a drum. There's people rushing around. This is a sort of a fiesta. People are out on the street. It's actually called the Night Watch much later. It's given the name in the 18th century because the varnish that was applied to the painting became so dark that it gave the impression that the whole scene was black, that this was taking place at night. But actually, even when the varnish is cleaned up, it is it is probably a parade that is taking place at night. It's an important event where the big, uh, you know, relevant members of society are parading through the streets of Amsterdam, showing a sense of unity. And actually, unity is one of the things that really comes through in the composition. So right at the very centre, you've got um, Captain Franz Bannockcock, the, the uh, captain, next to his lieutenant, and they're actually depicted in very different colours. So Cock has got this red sash going across him, while the lieutenant has got a yellow outfit. And these colours are very symbolic within Amsterdam, because the red represents the Protestants, while the yellow represents the Catholics. And what this shows is at the time that this is being painted in the mid-17th century, Amsterdam are pulling together. There's no longer that sense of religious persecution or or social unrest between different religious groups. They're coming together, they're working together to defend the city. And everything about the composition is also enhancing this sense of community and camaraderie. The angles of the spears that appear is, is very dramatic. They, they cut through and make these incredible di um, diagonals that are very powerful for the art historian. You, you like to see a diagonal in a, in a painting. Um, and the spears all converge on these two main characters. Likewise, the, the muskets that the soldiers hold, these testaments of how militarily strong the Dutch were at this point. The fact they have these, these powerful muskets, these incredible pieces of armour at this stage, that's uh, all expressed in these, these dramatic lines that move towards the two central figures. And of course, the tenebrism. Now, Tenebrism is one of those art history terms that, that people get a bit confused by. On the one hand, there's chiaroscuro. That's an important term that means the distinction between spaces of light and spaces of dark. And that is, of course, something that we see throughout art history, the idea of shadow and light. But tenebrism is something else. Tenebrism really gets its patron in, in the art of Caravaggio coming out of the Italian Baroque in the early 17th century. And it's more about the contrast between complete blackness and shafts of light. So with Caravaggio, you have areas that are just completely densely black and the figure, the subject matter is lit up with a shaft of light to create a drama that is entirely Baroque. It is entirely overblown and, and exciting. So what we see in The Night Watch is that Rembrandt's clearly taking some inspiration from this sort of Baroque art but he's applying it in a way that fits with a longer Dutch tradition. So a lot of his contemporaries were creating these sorts of portrait scenes, but they'd often show them all the characters, all the important patrons who'd paid to have their portrait done. You'd show them in a line, you'd show them all equal, all balanced, 
Rembrandt's thrown the rule book out with this. And in fact, what he's done is set them in a, a scene of motion. The character that always strikes everybody is, well, it certainly strikes me, is that young girl lit up in the foreground. She's carrying a upside down cockerel. Now that's also a, refer- a reference to the captain's name, but it's um, it's a symbol of sort of death and regeneration as well. And, and she's running into the scene. So there's a great sense of motion. You really do get the feeling that everybody's moving, everybody's dynamic. Um, this painting has played such an important role in how Amsterdam has come to identify itself. It really is the high point the, of the Dutch golden age. The brushwork is exquisite. Each of the costumes of these figures are a document on the fashions of wealthy um, 17th century Amsterdam. And yet there's something more timeless about it. It's not just a time capsule that shows us how these people lived, dressed, thought. The drama of it, the composition of it, is beyond compare. Some people have said that Rembrandt's career took a downward turn as a result of the Night Watch, that it was unpopular. Certainly, you could think that when you look at all the other paintings that people are creating at this point that are like this, it is radical, it is avant-garde, it is unsettling, if you like. But at the same time, I think um, that that's not true. Rembrandt changed his own style. He became an older man whose whose earlier work was not of interest to him anymore. And so he tried radical new things that perhaps weren't to the tastes of the people that bought his work. The Night Watch was well respected at the time. It became iconic in its it, it, at the time it was created. It was exhibited. Um, on a grand scale alongside other portraits in the building that these people would have would have gone into. Um, there's a, a shield that's been added later into the backdrop of this painting, which lists the names of the people that paid for it to be commissioned, the people that are depicted here. So it is a memoria, um, a memento mori, if you like. But it's been so precious and so well preserved during the wars. It was rolled up, um, kept secret, and then unveiled and given this pride of place in the Rijksmuseum. When you now see people swarming around it, I understand why they're there. It has a pull, a draw, in the place of gods, goddesses, um, images that are religious. This is the scale and the drama that you expect of of the finest artists of their time. And Rembrandt truly was that. He was Amsterdam's uh, poster boy. He has created the image of that city for eternity. I hope this has been of some interest. Please have a look at the image, take some time with it. And if you can, get to the Rijksmuseum in, in Amsterdam and see it in the flesh. It's an extraordinary experience. I hope you enjoy the programme. It's going out 9pm BBC4 on Monday the 1st of May. You can catch up with it on iPlayer. There'll be an iPlayer link to it. You can get to that through my Art Detective page, which is historyhit.com slash artdetective. Do follow me on Twitter. I'm Dr. Yanina Ramirez. I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, please subscribe to the podcast because there's going to be lots more exciting, wonderful things to come. Stay well, everyone. See you soon. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.